0: Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. We're going to talk tonight about kingdom invasion, uh, what it looks like uh, for the kingdom of God to invade earth, to invade us, to invade our lives. Um, in, when, it, it's, a, it's a hefty word. When something's invaded, it's when one kingdom or mindset is forcefully advancing in order to overtake another. And life is never the same again, is it? Life is never the same. It changes your way of life, it changes your culture, uh, it changes your landscape, it changes your expectation. Uh, everything shifts. And uh, we're going to think a little bit about tonight about that. Now. W- the worship for me was just phenomenal tonight. I just, man, I could have uh, just sat in that for a very long time and just let God just move and speak. And um, I lo- the re- one of the reasons that I love worship is because it kind of reconfigures you, doesn't it? It gets you to a place where you see God for who he is. You remember who he is and what he's done. That's why we sing. That's why we sing songs that repeat as well, you know. Um, this, I think it's really important, actually, when we we, we don't, clock out when we, you know, we're sitting in a, in a section and we're going over and over and we're kind of repeating that section. Don't just clock out in that moment. That's a moment for God just to kind of move something from here deep down into here. It's to take an idea, it's like a truth and a reality, and to push it from just like, oh yeah, yeah, I kind of agree with that. That's a good, that's a good lyric. I'm going to sing that. And it moves it into a place actually that invades our heart. So always engage in that, always connect in those moments, never kind of clock out thinking, oh, I'm singing that again. I'm trying to understand why the leader has chosen to sing that again, has chosen to repeat that moment and to repeat that section. So um, I'm, I, what I love about worship in that regard is that it takes us to a place where we, um, when we're thinking about things like transformation, we're not in the situation where we're thinking, oh, wow, I've got to do more. How am I going to do that? How am I going to, do that? Uh, how am I, man, am I going to really take that on? Am I really going to push into that? And to begin from a place of worship like we have done tonight sets us in a situation where I'm like, well, what else can I do? When I see him for who he is, what else can I do but offer him everything? What else can I do but I be abandoned to the fullness of who He is? And I think if, if I can kind of set a posture for tonight, it's that. It's the, what else can we do but be in love with Him? What else can we do but adore His words, and adore His intention for us, and to be abandoned to it, and to be given over to Him, and to allow that invasion into our hearts, and into our minds, and into our life. Um, I, loved it. I love in Acts 4.20, it says, you know, we can't help it. We can't help but tell people what we have seen and heard. Um, the reality is sometimes it's kind of not like that. I often get to a place where um, I just want to get done and get home and stick Netflix on. Yeah? And that's okay. That's okay. There's a time for everything. There's even a time for Netflix. Um, but I feel like this time, this moment, this season that the church is in, isn't a time for Netflix. The season that we're in right now is a time to say, Do you know what? I'm gonna step up. The season that we're in right now is a time to say, you know what? I'm gonna embrace the discomfort of this moment yeah. for what is coming next, for the virtue of what is to come. And that is what I really want us to think about and talk about tonight. I really believe God's shaking us up. Now this is a year of acceleration, and He's taken us further, faster, isn't it? I mean, we're all feel- anyone feeling that in their life, like holy moly, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's happening, isn't it? It's it's a prophetic word over us, and and I want us to be be clear that there's a huge difference between coasting and accelerating. You know, when you're coasting down there, I don't. Well, I remember when I first learned to drive. Do you ever used to do this to try and save petrol? You turn the car off. Coast down a hill and hope that you go fast enough to get up the next one. (laughs) Did you ever do that? Was that just me? I don't know. Um, (laughs) And uh, there's a huge difference between that. Just that kind of wishful thinking. Hopefully, maybe, we'll get fast enough to hit the next thing. When you're accelerating your... I don't understand cars. Tell me from your Your clutch is engaged, your gears are... Doing stuff. And when you put your foot in the accelerator, the impetus of the car means that it goes faster, not just because you've happened to come down a hill to go up the next one, but because the engine is firing all the cylinders and things that happen in the front of the car, and it goes faster and it can go uphills and it can go downhills and it can go around corners and bends and over mountains and through streams. No, maybe not. But um, that's the kind of moment we're in. We're not here to coast just to kind of drift and hope that maybe everything will work out. We're here to accelerate. We're here to be deliberate and intentional about who we are. Matthew 11 verse 12 says the kingdom of God is forcefully advancing that the foot is on the accelerator but that violent men oppose it. We're in a Battle, we're in a war. And just, you know, coasting through isn't going to get us there. We have an opportunity in this moment. We have an opportunity to be deliberate and to place our foot on that accelerator. If we're going to contend for something, I think it's really important that we understand why. Because unless we understand why, what you will get caught up with and what you will become weary with is just the what. The practical stuff. You know, doing this. Just turning up to stuff. You, you'll, you'll become weary with it. Because unless you have the why, you understand why are we doing this? What is the purpose of all this? Your motivation is, just, is, is soon going to run out. It's, it is like trying to coast down the hill and think, oh, if I get fast enough, When you hit that hill, when it gets difficult, when it gets hard, when the adversity comes, you'll crawl to a stop. And you'll get out, you'll get out your thermos flask, have a cup of tea, and then wonder what will happen next. This is a vital time for our church. And I can't implore you enough to allow yourselves to look up and to see what He is doing. And to connect with his purposes, to connect with his intentions for this season. Because if we do that, we see the why, and then we have all the motivation that we need. We have all the energy that we need. We have all the fuel that we need to push on and to push forward. I'm going to draw you a picture. How'd you feel about that? Oh, my back. There we go. That band was so good. Um. So, um, okay, this is 2D, 2D Norman. Anyone here called Norman? Nailed it. Thanks, man. Um, this is 2D Norman. 2D Norman lives in 2D land. So there's no cubes in 2D land. What do they have? They have squares. There's this. <laughs> hey. Stop it! Um, there's no there's no spheres in 2D land. There are just there are no pyramids. There are there are no I don't have run out of shapes. So um, <laughs> awesome. So 2D Norman is chilling out in 2D land, feeling a bit flat, but he's, he's, he's generally quite happy. So um, there's a little joke about being flat. Um, now imagine one day. A donut passes through 2D land. From Norman's perspective, what happens? What's the first thing he sees? He's on it, a circle. You see a circle. He's like, what is that? It says it's a circle. But then the circle does this weird thing. It splits in two. And one circle gets smaller and the other gets bigger. And he's like, what's that? What is it? It's there, mate. Like, it's just, a cir- it's just a donut. It's just a donut. And as the circle gets bigger on the outside and the one on the inside gets smaller, then it switches around and the one on the inside starts to get bigger again. And the, the other one gets smaller and then it becomes one circle again and then poof, it's gone. And Norman, 2D Norman's like, what was that? that's what 2D people talk like. And, and it's just a donut. It's just a donut. And the donut swings back around again, but it's kind of turned a little bit. And there's just this little dot appears like, Sir. and then it becomes an oval and gets bigger. And then it splits in half these two circles. Like, why is that? And then the two circles come back together again and becomes an oval. And it gets smaller and smaller and smaller, it becomes a little dot, and then poof, it's gone. It's, a it's just, a, just a donut. It's just a donut. And this, <laughs> he's loving that, um, it is just a donut. And this is what happens. This is what it's like from our vantage point when heaven invades earth. Because heaven is like a 3D object in a 2D environment. We just don't have a reference point for it. It looks like stuff, and we can kind of describe it, but in terms of truly comprehending it, that's a different thing altogether. And that's what happens. Heaven comes to earth, and it's just God's donuts. But we're like, what's that? You ever been in a church service? Anyone, anyone, ever, ever been healed, miraculously healed? Look, just have a little quick look. Keep your hands up. Have a quick look around the room. That's that. Each one of those hands is, is something impossible. Is a heaven donut going on right there? Anyone ever seen miraculous financial provision? Yeah, look around the room. These things don't happen in real life. These aren't circles and squares. These are spheres and cubes and other things. This is the reality that we live in, that we serve a supernatural God, and heaven is real, and heaven impacts earth, and we see it all the time. This is our story. This is our narrative as the people of God in this world. It's, you know, no longer is it that... We have this crazy thing that glows on a box wrapped in gold. It's that we have this fire within us that when we ask the God of heaven to do something, things change. That's our reality. That's our narrative. That's our story. Um, I want to read to you Psalm 144. This is the Psalm of David. And uh, it says this. It says, Praise the Lord who is my rock, he trains my hands for war and he gives my fingers skill for battle. He's my loving ally and my fortress, my tower of safety, my rescuer. He is my shield and I take refuge in him. He makes the nations submit to me. Oh Lord, what are human beings that you would notice them, mere mortals that you should think about them. For they are like the breath of air, that their days are like the passing shadow. Open the heavens, Lord, and come down. Touch the mountains so they billow smoke. Hurl your lightning bolts and scatter your enemies. Shoot your arrows and confuse them. Reach down from heaven and rescue me. Rescue me from deep waters, from the power of my enemies. Their mouths are full of lies. They swear to tell the truth, but they lie instead. I will sing a new song to you, O God. I will sing your praises with the ten-stringed harp. For you grant victory to kings. You rescued your servant David from the fatal sword. Save me. Rescue me from the powers of my enemies. Their mouths are full of lies and they swear to tell the truth, but instead they lie. May our sons flourish in their youth like well-nurtured plants. May our daughters be like graceful pillars carved, into beautiful, carved to beautify a palace. May our barns be filled with crops of every kind. May the flocks in your fields multiply by the thousands, even tens of thousands. May our oxen be loaded down with produce. May there be no enemy breaking through our walls, no going into captivity, no cries of alarm in our town squares. Yes, joyful are those who live like this. Joyful indeed are those whose God is the Lord. I love that song. I love that song because we can we can think about um, heaven coming to earth and make it just not even a golden calf, more like a fluffy bunny. We go, oh, I've got the feeling. You're in the worship. Oh, I've got the tingle. You know. We get all excited about these little things, which are brilliant because it is, it's still the donuts. But it's kind of, the, the tingle is just like getting God's postcode. You know, just under, like, yeah, I get is Isn't that amazing? Understanding the sermon is kind of like putting your feet on the welcome out of God's front door. But there's a whole mansion. God's, God's house has got many rooms. And he's calling us to step inside. He's calling us to go in and explore and encounter and experience the fullness of who he is, the fullness of heaven for us today, right now. That's what he's calling us to. So don't just stop at the funny feeling. Praise God for it and then say, what's next? What's more? What are you saying? What are you doing? In the worship tonight, we were singing that song. I just felt this weight, you know, God's, God's presence just pressing down on my chest. I felt... I started to cry, even though I'm a dude, and um, I was just like, whoa, God, yeah, I want you to build my life, that's what I want, come on, just imbue within me all that you are, all of that love and grace and mercy, speak into my life the things that you've intended, not just me making up interesting things that I think that I might want to do, but God, will you take over, will you take over? And that's just the starting place. That weight, that tangible presence of God, it's just the starting place. And he has so much more for us. So I really believe that God has got for us a a place in this season that is about his transforming power. That's what he's got for us. That's what he's got for us. We're going to look at three things and then we're going to respond and worship. You up for that? Yeah. Yeah. Yes I am. Um, I want to ask you about what you think your expectation is. What's your expectation of God in this season? What do you think is going to happen? Where where, where are the boundary lines for you in this season? Um, We were asked this morning in Kingsway, what's the coolest thing you've ever done? What's the coolest thing you've ever done? And I was, obviously apart from marrying the most beautiful woman in the world, and being you know, vaguely involved in producing uh, the uh, most beautiful children in the world. Um, the, probably, I would say, the the most the coolest thing that I've ever done, honestly, has been, was, was to make that decision to say yes to God when He said, do you want to move from London and move up to Manchester and do this thing called Eden? Live in what was at the time the most deprived ward in Britain and be an urban missionary. And I was like, yeah. I had no idea what I was saying yesterday. but I was like, yeah, all right, I'll go. And I think it was the coolest thing I ever did. It was the hardest thing I ever did. I got to spend time with the most precious, beautiful, passionate, sacrificial people that I've ever met. That Eden team who laid everything down and moved into that community and just was like, we're going to love this place. We're going to love these people. And um, genuinely, I think that was... Uh, the most formative time of my life. but man, it was a learning curve as well. I remember going there and I was like, "I am going to change this place. I'm going to change it. I'm going to get my Christian guns out. Jack Johnson, Tom O'Leary, and we're going to just pray the pants off this place, you know. Um, we, it's literally we, we essentially invaded this world that was full of shaved heads and tracky bottoms. And there we were, with our floppy hair and our baggy trousers, and we were like, we're going to change this place. We're going to, we, we have the answer to everything. We have the answer to all your problems. We have the answer to all your addictions, to all your poor thinking, bad decisions, generational drug use, prostitution, neglect, violence, and knocked-off DVDs. We've literally got the answer for everything. Check us out. And then ensued the hardest three years of my life. We interviewed a couple of guys, and they, they, these, these two lads got saved, and they were absolute legends. Totally love those guys. And then we, we filmed them, we interviewed them, and said, so, you know, basically what we do here, the, the, JC, um, sorry, the BC, JC, AD, the you know, before Jesus, how you met Jesus, and what, what happened next. And um, these guys were telling their testimony, and they said, yeah, basically, we saw all these dodgy Christians with baggy bag of jeans move in. And we thought, okay, they want to... They want to live in this place and know what it is to live here. We'll show them what it is to live here. We'll make it as hard as possible for them. And that was the decision. Us arriving as an Eden team evokes this decision in the indigenous people to make it flipping hard for us to be there. <laughs> We're like, what the heck? And literally, it, it looked like all kinds of stuff. It looked like, um, I remember the day that they... It's it's pretty committed, really, but the day that they managed to get a a dog poo and picked it up in a bag and then rubbed it all over our front door to to give us a little statement about what they thought of us. I also remember trying to get it out of the keyhole with a toothbrush, which was a bad choice. You know when you're like, don't lick your lips? Don't lick your lips. It was bad, bad times. Um, (laughs) I remember uh, my first ever worship meeting, where um, it was the first week I was there, and uh, we heard all this noise outside, so we all ran out, and then I turned back and realized that everyone had run back in, and uh, these guys were trying to uh, rob the cars, and and then they they realized I was standing there, so they came up to me and wanted to rob me, and I didn't really have anything to rob, so they just hit me in the eye with the butt of their knife. Well, I blew up like this, and all I can remember thinking was, "Don't tell my mum." <laughs> Don't tell my mum; she won't let me stay. And um, that was that was that was what came into came into my mind. I remember meeting this lad for the first time. It was like, "Yeah, I'm a gangster," like this proper proper wide. It was like, "What? Who are you?" And I was I was there, um, I was on the door for this youth club, and he was like, "I've got," and he'd got literally a bread knife and a meat knife down his tracky bottoms. And all I could think of was, like, dude, walk carefully. Just <laughs> basically like scissors in your trousers. I mean, like, what is that? That is it's not clever. It's not clever. Um, god, just it was, it was. There was awkward moments. But um, I mean, I remember. I remember um, one of the one of the hard things was Sunday. Every service, every single Sunday, was a battle. Because we would have sometimes up to 30 kids. One, I remember if one kid turned up, we all like clenched. Um, but if we had 30, I and mean we had, often had 30 kids coming in and just making it hard, man. And they would run up and down, we had pews, they would run, do races up and down on the pews while the term was going on. I remember one time, two lads came in with balaclavas and BB guns going, <laughs> using interesting language, and they shot the women in the bum, who were kneeling down taking communion at the time, with their BB guns. Which, in hindsight, was funny at the time. Having like a 17-year-old lad with a balaclava, effing and Jeffin with a replica gun in his hand wasn't as fun in church um, while trying to worship Jesus. Um, in the light of it being hard, we, we went to um, another church to hide every Monday night. And we started this thing called Sacred Tent because we just wanted to meet with Jesus, because we've, we'd got to the point after so many years of just policing the services, that we were like, we, we miss Jesus. <laughs> so we went in there, we went into that space, and we would worship, we would just worship, and we had a book and a guitar and a bongo, because it was... That's what you did back then. It's cajons now, but it was bongos back then. And, um, we, you know, we, that, and we just did that. We had that space, and we just worshipped, and we just worshipped. And God spoke to us, and the prophetic was coming out, and it's just brilliant. And we did that for a year, and then we, then we felt like God said, Go home. Go home. We were like, no, this is really nice. We don't get interrupted because they don't know where we are because we literally sneak off and go to this place, this other church who let us use their building. And, um, but we just felt God say, go home, go home. And so we went home. We went back to our church, the Christchurch. And I remember just walking up to the building, holding my guitar and just being like, oh, Jesus, please don't let us bump into it. Let, don't let people know that we're there. Maybe we could leave the lights off or something and just do it in the dark, get our phones out and read the Bible on our phones. Um, and as we got to the front door, these lads, who were the lads who rubbed to our front door and wrote off my mate's car and, and did all that, you know, ripped off the doors of the car and set fireworks off in it to write it off. In it. Those, those guys turned up and my heart sank. And I said, yeah, what are you doing? We're like, we're just going to pray. We're just going into worship. Like, okay, so it's all, can we come in? And we're like, well, you can. <laughs> but you've got to know, anyone who steps up through that front door tonight, the reason you're going in there is to tell Jesus that you love him. And they were like, all right, touch me down, do that, catch you later. And they went off. And I remember thinking like, okay, there's going to be a brick through the window at some point. There's going to be something's going to happen. Because literally, I remember one time the vicar got hit on the head with a barrel in the middle of a sermon. Um, it wasn't a particularly bad sermon, it just. <laughs> I think they just wanted to throw a barrel at him. Anyway, we went in, uh, we danced like children of the night, we rattled our tambourines, and we ran around shouting, and just like, God! God, will you let this place be a place where you have permission to move and to be heard, not interrupted, but a place where your presence is, where we can connect with you, encounter you, go deep into worship with you, where we can be a family, but not just that a light in this community where people don't come in thinking that they've got permission to, to kill it, but have got permission to embrace it. God, will you change this place? That's our prayer. And after three years, every week of policing that service, we got to the place of never having to do it again. Not once, not once after that day, not once after that moment did we have to police that service. After three years, week in, week out, wrestling guys with knives and wrestling lads who just wanted to come and spit in the old women's purple rinses, God did something and it's because of this I'm going to stick this kettle on it's because God took our reality and he took heaven's reality and he brought the two together he didn't wipe away our reality he didn't get rid of it he married it he went out with it took it for a meal put a ring on his finger, became one with it for the benefit of redeeming it. That's what he did. I love this book. Um, The Great Divorce, basically a bus trip to heaven. Um, I'm just going to read you a little section. I'm going to go over by about five, I reckon. Is that okay? Um, He said, so imagine us fleshy mortals going up to this heavenly place, and this is what they encountered. I noticed that let's put my glasses on otherwise, you might get all kinds of stuff going on. There we go. I noticed that the grass did not bend under their feet. even the dewdrops were not disturbed. Then some readjustment of my mind, or some refocusing of my eyes took place, and I saw the whole phenomenon the other way around. The men were as they had always been, as all the men I had known had been perhaps. It was the light, the grass, the trees that were different, made of some different substance, so much solider than things in our country that men were ghosts in comparison. Moved by a sudden thought, I bent down and tried to pluck a daisy which was growing at my feet. The stalk wouldn't break. I tried to twist it, but it wouldn't twist. I tugged till the sweat stood out on my forehead and I'd lost most of the skin on my hands. The little flower was hard, not like wood or even like iron, but like a diamond. There was a leaf, a young tender beech leaf lying on the grass beside it. I tried to pick up the leaf, and my heart almost cracked with the effort. And I believe... um, I just raised it, but I had to let it go at once. It was heavier than a sack of coal. I stood recovering my breath with great gasps and looking down at the daisy, I noticed that I could see the grass not only between my feet, but through them I was a phantom. I didn't quite time that right, but... What is more dense? The steam of the book... This is harder, this is denser, and so without much effort, I can pass it through these water particles as they float up through the air. Jesus entered the upper room. After his resurrection, in his resurrection body, he came into the upper room, though the door was locked. What was harder... Jesus at the door. He wasn't a phantom. But as he passed through into that room, his heavenly body was so much more real that as he stepped toward the door, it was as vapor to him. And he stood amongst his friends, showed them his scars. When heaven comes to earth, it's not a floopy, fluffy thing. It's actually the greatest reality. His donuts marrying itself to our reality and bringing something beautiful. That's the season that we're in. Heaven coming down isn't just a nice feeling in worship. You know, actually stepping into that house is an account of revelation, of wisdom, of provision, healing, connection, all the content of he- heaven. It's all mapped out for us. You know, the Bible is the highest form of prophecy. It's got everything from empires toppling to a widow filling jars with oil, healing and translation from one place to another instantly. Angelic visitation, coins materialising in the mouths of fish. Terrorists becoming church leaders. Corridors forming in water, axe head floating. People flying. Dead people rising, earth shaking, donkeys talking, regimes falling, visions and dreams, coincidences, promotions, chatty bushes, deaf ears opening. It's all just God's donuts just his donuts. And finally, this. I can just talk for myself, I'm sure the other guys had a much more mature approach to this whole thing, but when I got there I was like, we're going to change this place. You know, we want to change stuff, don't we? We want to change stuff that's different to us. We want to change the world, I want to change my wife and change the gays, change the politicians, change the drug dealers, change the beard-wielding, tattooed, hipster, Java junkies, change anyone who's different to us. But actually, the greatest change occurs when we love. Jesus collaborated with love. His posture wasn't benevolence. Look how great and generous I am. His posture was obedience to his Father. He did what he saw his Father doing. And what he did was to collaborate, and particularly with the poor. I mean, he engaged with the rich, and he went and he spent time in the temple and wrestling with all the big ideas, but he collaborated with the poor. For too long, this transformational gospel has just been a product that's peddled from the pulpit. You know, you need what we've got. But you know what? We need what you've got. If you don't know Christ yet, we need what you've got. We need all the wisdom and the sorrow of your deepest valley. We need to celebrate with you in the highest points of your mountaintop experiences. All that you are, all that you are, doesn't get wiped away. Comes into contact with the greater reality of heaven, your life can be transformed. But not in a way that just wipes everything out up until this point, but in a way that embraces it and celebrates who you are and brings a more beautiful reality. And we collaborate with God because he collaborates with us. We're his body, his voice, his compassion his empathy and he's filled us with his Holy Spirit the nature of which is entirely collaborative Now when talking about the gifts of the Spirit Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 7 says that it's the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good another way of saying it is this that a spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help one another we can collaborate with one another And arguably the most recognisable women of the last century were Princess Diana and Mother Teresa, who died within a week of each other in 1997. All little girls and a few little boys want to grow up to be a princess, don't they? Is this a slightly unattainable thing. If I wanted to be a princess, (laughs) I'd have to undergo a significant amount of plastic surgery. I would have to somehow meet a prince who would somehow see it in his heart to take my hand in marriage. (laughs) The odds are slim, aren't they? Let's be honest. And the reality is that as amazing, and as beautiful, and as wonderful as all the things that Lady Diana did, who she was was unattainable. It wasn't repl- replicable. No, we couldn't imitate that. Mother Teresa, the choices that she made with her life, to be a mother, to be a parent, to collaborate with the poor, the poorest of the poor, She lived life in a way that meant that we could all get involved with that. We could all embrace that cultural good. We can all be parents. We can all prefer others to ourselves. We can all love. We can all look at someone and think, how can I raise you up? How can I prefer you to myself? And that's, that's kingdom collaboration, living in a way that draws others in. I want to invite the band up, if that's cool. We're going to respond. Um, I, just want, Are you willing to be invaded by the kingdom of God?" Are you willing to allow him to threaten the way you do stuff? How you spend your money? What you do with your time? The culture of your family, your home? Are you willing to be part of that kingdom? To have an expectation that God is establishing you as somebody positioned to transform this world with love? to have an inheritance of souls, to be a parent, not a monarch. In this season at Ivy, what are your expectations? Is it just inconvenient? Is it just a blip or a setback? Or is it opportunity, providence, a gateway to something new? Is this just a practical thing that we're going through? Or are we simply reacting to some kind of financial hurdle? Or are we believing for something more? More than we can ask, more than we can imagine. To be positioned in this city in unity with the church of Jesus Christ. For his glory and for the sake of the last, the least and the lost. we were worshipping a couple of weeks ago, I just had this picture in my mind. I used to go canoeing when I was a kid, every week with my dad. I used to go to this dodgy little lake in the Midlands because we were miles away from the sea. Um, and I remember that feeling of going into the garage and grabbing the canoe, putting it on your shoulder. It's the smell of it. And the, the buoyancy air was probably still a bit damp. And kind of carrying that and putting, getting down into the, to the lake. and. Putting the stuff on, and it was just like I don't know. It just there's a little bit of a sense of like this again. It's just a bit uncomfortable, isn't it? It's like it's a bit, you know, when you're putting wet clothes on. It's like ah, oh, it's not, it's not the best thing, is it? And I remember just that that feeling evoked by the smells, evoked by the the feel of the the fiberglass of the canoe on my hands. I remember that feeling of just like. It's a bit of an effort this, isn't it? Getting it on the car, you know, the burn of the, the straps as we put it to the, onto the uh, the, the, the crossbars on the car. It's like, it's just a bit of effort, isn't it? But then you get into the water, and you just start to paddle, and you start to put the blade into the, into the water, and you start to push through, and the, the water starts to come up over the front of the bow, and you just go for it. And you feel, and you feel the motion of the water uh, beneath you, and you, you know, trying to avoid the swans because they are nasty. Um, but you just go for it, and the exhilaration of that. And you remember, now that's why I'm doing this. That's why I get up. That's why I get the stuff on the car and go out. And that's why I put these wet things back on. And it's because I love this. and I feel like God's saying to us, Are you willing almost to start again? Put on the damp, uncomfortable, sandy clothes of what it means to do something new, to work hard, to be sacrificial. Are you willing to step up into that? For the sake of his kingdom, imagine this city. Imagine this city, what it would look like. And the kingdom of God marries itself to it. The city becomes his bride. And all the brilliance of this city, the entrepreneurial spirit and the innovative heart. When the kingdom of God invades it, how awesome is that? I want us to respond. And if you're willing to say, yeah, do you know what? this. I'm going to collaborate. I'm going to expect a supernatural collaboration with heaven. That I will never be the same, that this city will never be the same because of the invasion of the kingdom of God, because of God's doughnuts in my life. I'm willing to see the weird stuff. I love it when weird stuff happens. I love it when someone chucks away their glasses in a worship time because their eyes just started to work again. I've seen that. I love that. More weird stuff, God. More stuff that I can't explain. More of your donuts. That's what we're about. We're about to see more salvation than we've ever seen. We're about to see more of God's kingdom, more healing, more wholeness, nothing missing, nothing broken than we have ever seen. This is the time. This is the time. Are you willing to step up into that, to be part of that, to collaborate with that? If you are, we're just going to crowd this front. And we're going to worship our pants off, if that's okay. So why not we stand? And if you want to connect with this, if you want to make that stance, make that stand, don't muck around, just come and stand at the front here and we're all in it together. I'm bricking it. I'm trying to work out how that all works. I have no idea. We're just working it out. So come down the front. Oh, thanks. We're going to worship and we just... I want to allow God to speak to us? I just want to be moved. Go beyond the front door. Step into His house. Anything could happen. I'm so excited by this season. I'm terrified by it. But I want to be willing to say, "Yeah, God. Do you know what? Even if it's..." inconvenient, and uncomfortable. I'm going to embrace this because you're in it. Thanks for listening. For more podcasts, go to ivychurch.org forward slash media.